This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Mr. Chief Justice. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court. Our opinion next turns to the problem of what the judicial role should be. A police officer came to my hotel room where I was staying, and I explained the content of the threats to him and showed them to him on my phone. And he looked at them and he said, what is Twitter? This is Life of the Law. I'm Nancy Mullane. If you're a woman and you're constantly harassed by someone in real life, you can get a restraining order. But can the law protect you when these threats take place online? Anne-Maria Watt has the story. Hey, sexy. Where do you live? Let me come over. I want to hit that. I want to see those tits in person. You're so hot. Kate. She's asked me not to use her last name. She signed up for Facebook in her freshman year of college as soon as she got her university email address. This was in 2004 when Facebook required one. She had it for only three or four months when she started getting unsettling emails and Facebook messages. Facebook was, uh, I think as some of us remember, not had no privacy settings. These messages were from strangers. They were calling her sexy, making comments about her body and her appearance. They were propositioning her for sex, and many of them were asking where she lived. One day, she Googled herself. Some of my photos and my name had made their way onto another website. Uh, It was like a forum used for, like, rating uh, girls' looks. It turned out that someone had lifted photos off of her Facebook page and posted them to the site. Commenters would argue back and forth about whether or not she was fat and whether or not they'd have sex with her. The posting included her full name, and it linked back to her Facebook profile. And at that point, there was actually, like, no real reasonable way to be able to take them down. Um, I had to contact the web host owner, and uh, the, the domain owner actually found it kind of funny. They were mostly candid photos. Her with her friends, one or two from Halloween. A lot of them were taken in her dorm. And in addition to comments on the website, Kate kept getting messages. Some were simply annoying, but many were much worse. I was probably only about 19 when that happened, and it was extremely scary. She remembers one especially bad message. So uh, what actually had happened is one of these people had sent me a very sexually harassing image, or excuse me, a very sexually harassing message, um, you know, detailing lots of graphic things that they they wanted to do to me, and it it was really terrifying. At one point, the guy described wanting to force her to perform oral sex on him until she puked. Then, two days later, she was walking back to her dorm room from the school store. It was the middle of winter. A snowball hits me in the back of the head, and I turn around, and it's that guy who had been sending me those messages. Looks like he, you know, he went went to my school, or at least otherwise had enough information to figure out, like, not only um, what school I went to, but even, you know, like, where I lived. Um, and that was, that was pretty terrifying. I just took off after that. 
She ran back to her dorm in the ice and snow and spent the next several months terrified that she would see him on campus again. She never did, then eventually the messages tapered off. But after a few months, the same photos kept popping up on other websites. They'd show up on MySpace or on LiveJournal, or people would create fake accounts on dating websites like OkCupid using her photos. Often, they didn't use her full name, so it got harder for her to track them down. But her friends that used these sites, they would come across them and tip her off. I am 28, and it has continued for almost a decade. The same thing still happens to her every few months with the same photos from college. They crop up, and then Kate has to go through the whole process of trying to get them down again. It's kind of like whack-a-mole, except there's actually a term for it. It's called doxing. People know now that it's it's uh, something that you can automatically do. Like, I don't like them, post their information to, to 4chan and, you know, watch the, watch the hell begin. Doxing is when someone researches you and finds out things like your full name and your street address and then posts them in an online forum. A lot of times they'll be matched up with a photo. The term comes from the slang dropping docs. Docs is short for documents. The term was coined by hackers in the 90s, and it basically meant dropping someone's documents, meaning personal information, into an online forum. It was meant as a way to get revenge. So if this happens to you, what do you do? When it happened to Amanda Hess, a staff writer at Slate, she called 911. A police officer came to my hotel room where I was staying, and I explained the content of the threats to him and showed them to him on my phone. And he looked at them and he said, what is Twitter? Hess wrote about her experience in a magazine called Pacific Standard. I have heard from police officers who have read the story and said that they found it very interesting. Uh, and some departments who are who have shared it with their officers. Um, and so I, I do think that training could really help. Um, but of course, training is, training is expensive, um, and local police forces don't have a lot of money. Hess says perhaps the burden of regulating harassment should land on someone else. Tech companies, on the other hand, have all of the money in the world. Uh, so that is why I think activists have really focused on them and hounded them to find some sort of solution uh, to help at least mitigate the effects of those crimes. But there's a bigger problem. As more and more of our real lives become integrated with the internet, our jobs, our social lives, even our love lives, so too does our personal safety. Explaining to these people that you live your life on the internet, as I basically do, it's where I work um, and where I talk to my friends, um, is difficult. Ari Waldman, the director of the Institute for Information Law and Policy at New York Law School, says even lawyers have a hard time understanding the real-life implications of online harassment. That's why he plans to open up a legal clinic that would provide free legal representation for victims and train lawyers to handle these types of cases. Pictures of women have been posted online. Uh, they have been connected to their addresses, and that has resulted, their physical addresses, and that has resulted in uh, physical harassment or stalking. Waldman also says there's one type of doxing he's seen more and more of in recent years, revenge porn. It's when someone posts nude photos of another person without their consent. A jilted lover posts a picture of, of a young woman online uh, next to her address and uh, on, say, a Craigslist ad will say, I'm interested in 
uh, rough sex and post for anyone to go to this woman's house and to essentially rape her um, under the impression that this is something that she actually wanted. Craigslist is not the only avenue for this type of doxing. In fact, there are whole websites dedicated to revenge porn. Uh, well, it all started with, um, you know, me hating some dumb bitch who broke my heart, really. And that's how it started, dude. Trying to get back at somebody in revenge, basically, for fucking with me. And I wanted to fuck with them 10 times harder. This and- is Hunter Moore. He used to run one of the most notorious of these sites. It was a site called IsAnyoneUp.com. Don't try looking for it. It's not around anymore. Moore, who called himself a, quote, professional life ruiner, appeared on Anderson Cooper's show in 2011. Just because there's a lot of people who are jerks out there doesn't mean you have to be one of them, too. And it doesn't mean that you have to profit off it. I mean, but I want to. You want to profit off it? Yeah. Why wouldn't I? I get to look at naked girls out there. By the way, while he's saying this, he's sitting on a couch next to two women who found nude photos of themselves on isAnyoneUp.com. No one put a gun to your head and made you take these pictures. It's 2011. Yeah, Everything's on the internet. We're choosing this kind of- My daughter, her email was hacked and a topless picture that she had taken in the privacy of her room with a cell phone in the mirror was loaded to the most notorious revenge porn website. And she had never sent the picture to anyone. She had no intention of sending the picture to anyone. This is Charlotte Laws, and the website was Moore's, isanyoneup.com. Laws was furious. She demanded Moore take down the photo, but he refused. That only made her madder. In addition to working a lot of odd jobs in her life, Laws had once worked as a private investigator. So naturally, she started building a case against Moore. She began by tracking down his other victims. You know, I'd find out how they got on the website. And a very huge percent of the, percentage of the time, I was the first person to tell them they were up there. So they were in tears. They were freaked out. I mean, I, I felt like a suicide hotline. I was you know, trying to comfort them and trying to tell them what they could do to better their situation. Eventually, Laws brought her big fat file on Moore to the FBI and got them to open up their own investigation. Meanwhile, Laws began receiving death threats over the phone. Stalkers appeared at her family home. The FBI had told me not to use any sort of email or um, computer contact Facebook, social media, because of the fact that I didn't know who had been hacked and who hadn't been hacked. And I was afraid the hacker could be on their email or on their Facebook page or their Twitter page. Eventually, Moore was charged with conspiracy, unauthorized access to a protected computer, and aggravated identity theft. He's pled not guilty to all counts and will stand trial later this year. The weird thing is, Moore wasn't charged specifically for the offense of revenge porn because the U.S. has no federal law against it. In fact, the U.S. hasn't passed a law to regulate the Internet since the 90s. Regulating the Internet is not a popular idea. SOPA and PIPA, two proposed laws that sought to protect copyright holders, faced opposition from Google, Yahoo, Mozilla, eBay, and a slew of other Internet giants. Both bills were shelved in 2012. Still, after her encounter with Moore, Laws advocated for a revenge porn law in California, and in 2013, it passed. 
there are 14 states with laws against revenge porn. But getting those laws passed is tricky. Waldman points to what happened last year in Arizona. Not long after it passed a revenge porn law, the ACLU sued the state. Dan Pakoda, senior counsel of the ACLU of Arizona, says they chose to sue because the law was too broad. It uh, criminalizes the display, publication, and sale of non-obscene images that are fully protected by the First Amendment, including artistic, historical, and newsworthy images. Um, a defendant can be convicted under the act even if there was neither malicious intent nor harm done. A defendant can be convicted even if the person depicted had no expectation of privacy. In November, a judge put the law on hold so that the legislature can rework its language. The ACLU is working with the legislature to do so because they do recognize that revenge porn is, in fact, a crime. We expected the headlines to be when we filed the suit, ACLU favors revenge porn, um, but of course it couldn't be more from the truth. But the fact is, if you live in Arizona or any of the other states with no revenge porn law currently on the books... I wish you good luck, (laughs) to be perfectly honest. Ari Waldman says if a state doesn't have a revenge porn law, victims don't have much legal standing to combat their harassers. There have been many attempts to use old tort laws to try to address this problem. Uh, so there are harassment statutes in other state in various states. There are um, online. There are some laws that have been expand, expanded to on, uh, online usage. There's copyright laws. Copyright law is actually the most common defense in these situations. Asserting your ownership of content is now, in most cases, a quick way to get a website administrator to get rid of your photo. This is done under the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, sometimes called the DMCA. File essentially what's called a takedown notice and send it to the web host, and then they have to comply by removing it. Kate actually started a website devoted to this. It's a step-by-step guide to getting your images or content taken down. It's called undocs.me. That's U-N-D-O-X dot M-E. But the DMCA, while useful in these cases, wasn't actually meant to be used this way. The law, passed in 1998, was meant to protect copyrighted works like art and movies. And while it works in some cases, it forces victims to police their harassers and go after them, fighting them one by one the way that Kate does, takes a ton of time. Again, Amanda Hess. I had to you know, call law enforcement, call several different law enforcement agencies, not have people get back to me, hound them to listen to me. In one case, file a protection order because the police wouldn't respond. Um, And it ended up taking, you know, days out of my work, especially when I was a freelancer. That meant that I wasn't making money. Um, And it all added up to a kind of tax on me and on other women who are experiencing the same thing online. And it can start to feel like a never-ending cycle. They post a picture, you fight to get it taken down. Despite all she's done, Hess's harassers are still out there. So are Laws and her daughters, even though more has been indicted. And Kate, from the beginning of our story, hers too. I've learned how to deal with it by now. I'm a grown woman. I can, I can handle it. Um, I know exactly what to do and what my rights are. But I think when I feel like more agitated, it's my pictures are always posted alongside hundreds of other women who uh, whose, you know, pictures were taken off their Facebooks, off of, you know, other people's phones who had them sent to them by somebody who they trusted. For Life of the Law, I'm Anne-Marie Awad. 
Anne Hepperman edited this story. Our senior editor is Pat Walters. Caitlin Prest created the sound design with music by Matthew Darr, Kyle Kaplan, and Todd McDonald. Voice actors Andy Mills, Matthew Keelty, and Adrian Wagner stepped in, and we thank you. Very special thanks to Ellen Horn for helping with production and Laura Beth Nielsen for her scholarly advice on this story. Life of the Law is a nonprofit project of the Tide Center, and we're part of the Infinite Guest Network of podcasts from American Public Media. You can also find our podcasts on PRX, Public Radio Exchange. We're funded by the Open Society Foundations, the Law and Society Association, the Proteus Fund, and by you. If you're new to Life of the Law or you're a regular, visit our website, lifeofthelaw.org. I'm Nancy Mullane. And I'm Rebecca Lair, and we are the Mashup Americans. The Mashup Americans. Uh, Think of us as your guide to the hyphen America world we live in. Are you first generation Korean American, married to a Colombian, Mexican American, and making beige babies? Us too. Or do you speak three languages and eat Salvadoran pupusas at Shabbat? Is Spanglish your best language? That's me. (laughs) Uh, Spanglish is definitely your best language. Yeah, it was kind of a problem in graduate school. (laughs) Eh, Don't worry about it. We're we're done with that. So we've got a new show here on the awesome Infinite Guest Network. You can go search for Mashup Americans in your favorite podcast app and check it out. We've got a great story about the mashup life of Donald Trump. Oh, and I just went to Margaret Cho's house to Netflix and chill. Kind of. (laughs) Oh, my God. Vamos. Let's do this. As we like to... 